Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm Elizabeth, a marathoner, running coach, and answer seeker. When I became a new runner at the age of 29, I had so many questions, but it felt like I was on my own to figure out all of the answers. So now I'm here to answer all your running questions to help make you a better, smarter, faster runner. There's no question too simple and no topic too complex. So let's get started. My guest this week is Coach Brian Locke. Brian is an RRCA certified running coach, a sub three hour marathoner, Boston qualifier, if you will, and he holds the world record for running the fastest marathon with a soccer ball at his feet like the whole way, which I think is just super cool. In this episode, Brian and I chat specifically about tempo runs, what they are, what they are not, and how they fit into your training. Brian, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here. Elizabeth, good to be here. Thank you for having me. First up, before we dive into our topic today, I want to hear more about your background. I want to know how you became a runner and how you became a running coach. Uh, like many people, uh, I did not actually grow up as a runner. Uh, I grew up um, invested heavily into another sport, which is soccer. And that was my life growing up. And in college, I played at uh, Bradley University for there for four years. And I really enjoyed it. Went on to get married and, and start a family. And soccer was no longer something that was easy to do and work into a family schedule. So I couldn't uh, always go to games or didn't really want to go to games at 5.30 in the evening and uh, 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning, Um, but I could get up and run at any time of day uh, while the family is sleeping and all that stuff. So I got into running um, after my college career as just something to pour myself into. And uh, like anything, my competitive nature kind of took over and I I wanted to be as good as as I could be at it. So I really... I dove in and I read everything I could read, um, lots of different coaches, lots of different books, and I just fell in love with the training process. Um, the passion just has stayed for it. It didn't really ebb and flow. It just kind of stayed, and uh, I began to learn more and more. Um, so I thought, why not keep doing a little bit more? So I became uh, certified as a running coach in 2017, and I just thought, you know, I'll just pick up a few friends and, and things like that. See if anybody wants, wants a coach or is looking for a coach. And, um, it really has just snowballed since then, in the last four years. So I've enjoyed it. That's exciting. Uh, and I mean, that's the kind of the best way to approach coaching is it's like, you just, it's something that you love and you're like, yeah, I could, I could do this all day. Why don't I do this all day? Let's give it a go and see how <laughs> see if we can make a career out of it. Yeah. And since then it's, it's really allowed me to meet people all over the country um, and really be a part of success stories that uh, otherwise I would, I would have never known about. Uh, so it's been really awesome. One of the things when you lear- start to learn more about running as a sport is how part of it seems so simple, right? You just go out and run and then it's like, oh, you run mostly easy and then you do some hard stuff. And then the more you dial in and the more you learn, it can get complicated. And a lot of that complication has to do with, I feel like how we define the terms we talk about when we're talking about training. And our topic today, we're talking about tempo runs. And I want to talk specifically about tempo runs for an entire episode, because as we were chatting before, part of what I do on Instagram and in this podcast is I answer questions. And so people will ask me questions about 
my tempo run or a tempo run or this tempo run. And I always ask them to define to me what they are calling a tempo run. And the answers I get are like, they're very different, right? So it's not like everybody's saying, oh, a tempo run is X every single time. It's anything from, oh, it's just, it's when I run fast or it's when I do a goal pace workout or it's lactate threshold. Okay. You know, so yes, we've kind of, we've nailed down that tempo running is faster running, but that still leaves a lot of broad interpretations. So um, before we start, do you have a de working definition that you use of what a tempo run is? Well, a good thing for me is that anybody that signs up to be coached by me, I get to set the definitions right away. So I get to tell them what what works and what doesn't work. Um, and I tempo run, I've kind of stopped using that because there's so many different definitions. So I, I will um, further define things that now to me personally, uh, tempo run is, is a lactate threshold uh, paced run. But speaking more broadly about it, um, I think of it as just a sustained bout of hard running um, at a very intentional pace um, designed for a specific purpose, whether that be a half marathon pace or a marathon pace or more specifically lactate threshold pace. Those are kind of the three pace ranges that I use and have seen other coaches use as well. Yeah. So I, I also use the working definition of, I mean, I agree with you, tempo run, it's almost too nebulous to be a useful definition. So preferring the a threshold run, or if you're doing some sort of half marathon or marathon pace work, like I would call that a marathon pace workout or a half marathon pace workout instead of a quote unquote tempo run. So I think we're kind of agreeing, we're agreeing on what the definitions of a tempo run are. So let's talk about some of the things that tempo runs are not because you mentioned that a tempo run is a continuous period of fast running so talk about some things that are not a tempo run some of the things i would see, I, I see people characterize as tempo runs um i think incorrectly would be if if the the work interval is too short you know if it's if you're just working for three minutes um at a time and taking a taking a break or a jogging rest, that's not long enough to really get your heart rate up there and, and get the intended effort. Um, also, if, if there's a really long rest period, um, I, sometimes you'll see tempo runs a lot of times with maybe one minute of rest or, you know, for every five minutes of work, there's one minute of, of rest or for every 10 or 20 minutes of work, there's two minutes of rest. Uh, but anything longer than that um, or, you know, a one-to-one -one work rest ratio, that's more of like an interval session to me, um, more of like a speed work session. Um, I don't really classify um, tempo runs as, as speed work, uh, really high-end speed work. I don't really classify it as that. I would almost call it the opposite. I call it more endurance work, um, working on strengthening your endurance muscles, the efficiency of your heart muscles, um, and doing that. So other things tempo runs are not. Um, that I've seen. They're not all out races, right? They're not just races in your, in your training schedule. And um, anytime I see somebody talk about a tempo run where they were just absolutely spent and exhausted at the end of it, um, I think that's, you're probably working a little bit too hard there. Um, you're, not, you're not getting the full benefit out of that and you're overworking just a little bit. I always tell my athletes, if I give them something that might be 
you know, two by 10 minutes with, you know, a, a minute or two of rest in there um, at, at threshold pace or tempo pace, I tell them you should have been able to go at least another five minutes, if not 10 more minutes at that pace. So that kind of helps them to get the idea of the intended effort level. Um, but I think no matter what pace your tempo run is, you should be able to continue on a little bit more at that pace when you're done. So let's dial in more about the about threshold, uh, lactate threshold, what threshold work specifically does, and kind of leave the uh, broad uh, tempo run definition in behind us. Um, because threshold work is extraordinarily beneficial in a variety of training situations. Let's dial in a little bit more about what we mean when we talk about lactate threshold, threshold pace work, and what those benefits are when it comes to doing threshold work. Sure. I think any any race distance or any event that's longer than 30 minutes, really lactate thresh, the level of your, uh, your, your threshold there, your lactate threshold is going to be one of the biggest determining factors of your success. So lactate threshold runs and workouts are designed to raise that threshold so that you're able to run at a higher pace uh, for a longer amount of time. And essentially we get into the, the science behind it is just, you're working at a pace where you can comfortably clear out that lactic acid that builds up in the body. Um, once you're going at a fast pace, that's what's going to build that up. And your body, if it's working um, efficiently, is going to be able to clear that out and just kind of cycle through it. And you keep, you'd be able to keep working hard. Um, but over time, if you're not able to clear that out, that's what's going to cause fatigue. You get tired, your muscles start to ache, and you slow down or you stop. Um, so the workouts are designed to kind of stay right below that level so that your body can get efficient at clearing out that lactic acid and do, um, do better, go faster, go longer. Um, so to me, that usually happens at a pace that's about what you could sustain for an, an hour long race. So about 60 minutes, um, you're working for those that, that use heart rate, you're working about 80 to 88% maximum heart rate, maybe even 90 for well-trained athletes. Um, and in a, you know, I said you could go 60 minutes in a race, but in a training, uh, you know, in a training setting that might look like 20 minutes, 30 minutes at the very end, max, I'd go 40 minutes, um, total. And, um, yeah, those are the types of workouts I think, especially for like the half marathon. I think those are super crucial for that. Um, marathon as well. Um, you get into uh, doing even longer work, maybe less rest with marathon training workouts. But um, I think the half marathon, especially, um, those are very key workouts to do. Lactate threshold is one of those topics I just find endlessly fascinating. And I'm glad that there's more research coming out about it now. And the whole like lactate's actually not the bad guy. Your body can use it for <laughs> fuel it, when it needs to. Part of, you know, lactate can be a very useful, it's a, yes, it's a byproduct of when your cells create energy, but it also has a use in the energy creation process. But yes, yeah, so your lactate threshold, it's one of those things like, you have to do it to get better at it. And it can be a slightly uncomfortable uh, effort level for some runners who are not necessarily used to sustaining harder running 
uh, for longer than, like you said, 30 minutes, or maybe um, they're used to hard running, meaning all out running, or I should feel like I can't sustain this pace. But part of what your threshold pace is, is a comfortably hard, sustainably hard, I'm working, but I'm not exhausting myself through this effort. Is that another good way of describing that pace? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. That's so foreign to some people. Uh, and uh, when you say, especially when you say like 60 minute pace, like what you could sustain for an hour, they're like, wow. Oh, okay. That's a long time to be running at anything other than easy pace. And for some people starting out, that is, you know, that's just what they need more of is easy pace. But as you peel back the layers of the onion and, and you get deeper and deeper, as you alluded to earlier, um, it's really something that can add a lot of value to your training. And that point about the easy running, the base, you need your aerobic base, you need your endurance base before you can really add any of this more complex race specific training on top of it. Because if you're training for a new race distance for the very first time, we're not going to be throwing a bunch of lactate threshold workouts at you. We're going to just make sure that you can run for as long as you need to for the entire race distance, right? And then as we grow our fitness over the course of training cycles and years, that's when it starts to, you add in some of this more complex race specific work. I would never ask a first time half marathon or building up to the distance for the very first time to go out and do a bunch of lactate threshold work. So if you listener are a person who's training for their first longer distance race and your race plan does not include this kind of work, don't freak out. You're just not there yet. And that's okay. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of uh, quantity first and then the add the quality second. And of course, I know you're a big fan of the 80-20 the principle as well, um, that much of your training should still be at, at this easy pace. So don't confuse any of this to think that um, half of your running should be at lactate threshold or tempo runs or anything like that. Can we talk a bit about how the fitter you become, the more time you can spend closer to your lactate threshold without burning out, I guess you could say. Because when we talk about your threshold pace being a pace you can hold for roughly an hour, and for, for newer runners, that might be a, a pace closer to 45 minutes, a 45-minute hard run. But it seems like, you know... Um, sub-elite and elite marathoners, not that we should necessarily compare ourselves to them because they are physiological marvels, but it looks like, you know, they're running a half marathon in an hour. Does that mean that that's their lactate threshold pace? To me, that does mean that. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And this is one area where we have to be careful to, to model elites too much because they have that great training base behind them and they're able to, um, train at such a higher level, you know, there, it might be their half marathon pace. Um, but for somebody who's running a half marathon in two hours, um, they don't want to train at that half marathon pace to get that lactate threshold work. They, they want to go faster, um, to get that, uh, you know, like I said, that 60 minute pace So we do want to be careful there to compare too much, but kind of the takeaway is when you get to that level, the game changes a little bit because you're able to train so much harder and you, you kind of paid your dues, so to speak. Yes. The, in general, the, the more you can train, like the more reservoir you have to draw from, the more 
complex and individualized your training can become. So we may all start out at roughly the same pace, right? If you take 100 untrained people and you start them on the same path, they might be heading down the same path for the first little bit. But as their fitness gains um, diverge, their training will also wildly diverge. So if you are training with a training partner, let's say you've made a friend in a running group and you are started out at a similar fitness, just because you're training together the past couple of years doesn't necessarily mean that your fitness is going to be the same because you are responding to your training differently. Um, do we want to talk a bit about how people respond differently to different types of training? There are some people who are like super responders to this kind of threshold training, where some people might find more benefit from something like VO2 max work, depending on what they're training for. Yeah, and certainly different people have their strengths. Um, and certainly people, certain people enjoy training a certain way too. And sometimes that's indicative of it. Um, some people just they, they loathe threshold work, but they love that, that speedier track type of stuff. And um, I, I like to listen to those things because they're, they're telling. It's not just um, somebody who uh, you know, likes one more than the other. Sometimes that, that's a good sign that they are uh, better at one than the other. Um, maybe you know, we know that certain athletes are, are built more. Um, they're, they're just genetically better uh, suited for 5Ks and speedier track type of workouts and they, they thrive off of those things. And other people are more endurance um, focused. Uh, so I like to listen to that. And, um, you know, it's one thing you want people to enjoy their training as well. <laughs> and there's, I always tell my athletes there's more than one way to achieve a certain result. Um, we want to achieve that result um, in while enjoying training as much as we can. Uh, but yeah, certainly different people respond to different things. I have sometimes people just in, they, they really just, they can't when they're doing threshold work to use that as an example. And I'm trying to grow it and I'm trying to grow it because I, I know like, oh, they, they need this work in there. It's so beneficial for them. Um, but they just, they can't get away from those, those rests, those rest periods, you know, to go from uh, four by five minutes with one minute of rest to go, but to to go to twenty minutes of, of just uh, just sustained running. Um, sometimes they're not ready um, quite uh, for that, and that just means it takes them a little bit longer. It doesn't mean that it's not working, or um, it just means that maybe they're just a slower responder, as you mentioned earlier. And um, you just can't force it too much because when you when you start to force it and say, oh, we did 25 minutes this week, now we have to do 30 the next week and 40 the next week, then those runs start to become too difficult. And they're running themselves into the ground and they're forcing an effort that they're not comfortable with. And um, like we talked about earlier, you're kind of ruining the purpose of the workout. And Piggybacking off what you said about, we talk about 80-20 running, that running that roughly 80% easy running, 20% hard running split in your training. There's a reason why your training doesn't consist 100% of tempo runs, right? Like they are, they're taxing on your body. Your body requires a lot of recovery to, you know, repair the damage and kind of like take a step back and be like, okay, what just happened here? What can I learn? What can I get better about? This is, uh, this is not something you should be doing every day 
how often would a normal, and I hate to say normal because there's no such thing as normal. How about this? The average, let's say a, a 10K or a half marathon training plan that is including lactate threshold work, how often would you include work like that in the plan? Sure. Um, I believe it's, I think it's Jack Daniels. I think he even puts it somewhere in some of his books that no more than 10%, uh, no more than 10% or I think he says 10 miles or some crazy number that it, it, you would only, it would only apply if you were running a hundred miles in some crazy elite. But I kind of use that 10% number. Um, and it's, and I go through a lot of phases as well. So for half marathon, um, uh, from like six weeks out to 10 weeks out, I'm usually hitting that pretty hard and we're going every week and that's the hardest session of the week. And it might go a little bit more than 10% if I'm trying to, uh, if they're really doing well with, with those workouts. Um, but outside of that, it might just be every other week. It's not something that needs to be every week. Uh, every other week is enough to sustain it and even grow it a little bit if you're a newer, newer runner. Um, so I, I stick to that 10% um, number. If you're running, I don't know, less than uh, if, if you're a lower mileage runner, I might exceed that a little bit. Generally, I like to say for runners who are running under 20 miles a week or under 32 kilometers a week, there, there's not really a lot of room in their plan for faster running, uh, harder running, because many of the benefits those runners are looking for can be gained through mostly endurance building, aerobic building through the easy running. However, sometimes we also talk about things like progression runs, which are a somewhat um, lower impact, but still compared to like a, a lactate threshold workout, but can still include a period of faster or approaching threshold pace running. Do you want to talk about progression runs and what the purpose of a progression run that includes threshold work might be for, well, not necessarily lower mileage runners, but for any runner? Yeah, I think those are, those are great just for, um, uh, the, the mental benefits of those as well to kind of see yourself um, getting faster throughout a run and finishing a run strong. Um, and certainly, you know, you think of tempo runs or threshold runs, uh, they don't be, need to be standalone in a, in a workout um, or in a run. Um, they can, you can mix in faster running or, or slower running and switch between as well. Um, some people, they benefit from, um, or, or they, they enjoy more just having something to focus on from start to finish, um, you know, t because that's, that's what a race is. You know, sometimes you need to train your brain to just focus on something for two hours and to not, you know, kind of trail off and, oh, my, my splits dropped off, you know, another 10 seconds that mile and I wasn't paying attention. Sometimes with a progression run, um, finishing with that faster running, it can help them to say, to, to really lock in and improve kind of their mental uh, fortitude throughout a race and stay locked in on that, on those splits. And, and it can really prepare them for a race mentally just as much as physically. So let's go back and also talk about a couple of the things we talked about how sometimes these things are also defined as a quote unquote temple run We talk about race pace workouts. So half marathon, marathon, goal pace, or pace workouts, those are going to be done slower than your lactate threshold, but they are still faster than an easy run. 
what are the benefits of including a marathon or a half marathon paced workout when you are training for that, obviously that specific race? I don't know that I'd include a bunch of marathon paced work of training for a 5k, of course, and that's a different conversation. But when you're training for a marathon or a half marathon, running at those paces or those goal paces have specific benefits. Yeah, you bet. Um, because when you're talking about specific time goals, um, it does come down to how efficient can you run at those paces. Um, so, you know, if, if you want to run a half marathon at two hour pace, um, but you, you never do that in training, you might feel a little bit clunky or, or you know, not smooth at that pace. And so um, while physiologically um, lactate threshold running is more beneficial to you than running at specific half marathon pace, um, I think there are great mental benefits, um, to using that pace in your training leading up to it, just to say, Hey, I ran, you know, eight miles in this other workout at this pace. I felt great. Um, might even in include a progression at the end to, to some threshold running as well. But, um, especially for a half marathon, I, I usually include it in the last six weeks, um, if not before to make sure that, um, not only do they have kind of the mental boost of it, another thing is to just make sure your, your race goal is realistic. Um, you know, you can say, hey, I ran a 10K at this pace. Um, I ran, you know, whatever, a 5K at this pace. And, and these tables say I'm ready to run a half marathon under under this goal. Um, but until you do some of those race-specific workouts, that might not, you might not have the confidence to do that. Um, so everybody's different with that. Marathon pace, also the same thing. Um, you're talking about taking in fuel at, you know, going at that pace, um, really getting efficient. I think marathon pace, long runs, I, you know, you can include them in long runs. Um, you can include them as a standalone run as well. But uh, I think those are very important to um, include every couple of weeks, every two or three weeks um, early on in the cycle, um, and then uh, even more later on. So much of what we talk about, or I guess the goal of when we're training for something specific, you know, other than just to get the distance in, it, it increases our efficiency. All of this just increases efficiency, efficiency at lower intensity, efficiency at higher intensity, efficiency in physiologically, efficiency mentally with dealing with the stress, right? You talk about all these efficiency building things. And I think it was, I was reading in, um, I think it was the lore of running by Tim Noakes basically talked about, we talk about, Oh, when we get faster and fitter and that sort of thing. Like, yes, there are some, you do grow more muscle cells and you do, you know, grow your capillaries and you do grow, you know, my number of mitochondria, but the huge benefits to most of us is just, we become efficient at doing what we're trying to to do. And threshold pace is exactly that. It's the efficiency of your body working at that higher intensity in a sustainable way. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of Tim Noakes' stuff. Um, and you can, you can see this um, late in a, a training cycle. If I do the same type of threshold run, um, I'm just as happy to do the exact same distance, the exact same pace but see my heart rate was five beats lower on average or something like that. Um, there's more than one metric to look at when you're looking at these workouts. Uh, you know, some people say, Oh, you know, I, 
whatever. I, I did the same workout, you know, three months ago and it, it felt the same or whatever, but you see, you know, your heart rate was, you know, 10 beats lower or something. I can point that out and say, Hey, you didn't work near as hard on this workout. You may have thought you did because the pace said the same thing or whatever may be the case, um, or you went just as far, but Hey, look, you're working a lot less on this workout. And if, you know, you're in a race and you can feel, um, the better you can feel later in the race, I'm all about that. So yeah, sign me up for, for efficiency gains at, at really all paces. So we talked a bit about finding your lactate threshold pace using an approximation of, oh, it's an, a pace you could hold for a roughly one hour hard effort or I mean, 80 to 88% of your heart rate max. Um, if you are also a person who trains by lactate threshold heart rate models, you will know your lactate threshold heart rate <laughs> zone as well. When somebody is planning out their paces and they say, okay, based on my current fitness, let's say I'm a two hour half marathoner and I plug that into a training calculator, like the V dot, you know, Jack Daniels, one of the many pace calculators out there, and it spits out a threshold pace. And then as a hypothetical, they say, so I did a workout at this pace and it felt really hard. And I know hard is like a nebulous kind of descriptor when it comes to this. But if you had an athlete come to you and they were running something at their lactate threshold pace and they said, it felt too hard to sustain for as long as I was supposed to, what would some of the troubleshooting be when it comes to that? Um, I would look at, first of all, what, what led us to that conclusion? Um, maybe they're a really new runner and, and really all they run is, um, you know, like five Ks that they're really just on super short distances and maybe they're gifted at short distances and, um, you know, up to a five K they're really great, but anything beyond that, their endurance, um, their aerobic endurance, it's just kind of struggles. Um, so yeah, I'd look at what their, their lactate threshold pace is based on that five K result. That's how you can look up stuff in the tables. Um, but I'd be more conservative just because they don't have a big history. They don't have a big foundation of miles um, as opposed to somebody who has, you know, built up 30 to 40 miles, what they consider to be a good, a good volume. And then they race that 5k. Um, it's much more reliable then because you have a good, a good base, a, a little bit more of an aerobic base there. Um, second thing I would look at would be just, um, really I would just add in a little bit more, some rest intervals in there. Um, the, probably the lowest that I go is, is, uh, five minutes on and then one minute of jogging rest. Um, I, I like for threshold sessions to be at least 20 minutes long. Um, so if they can get four, four reps of that, four reps of five, um, I would, I would start there. But if, if it's that, that they're struggling with and they can't maintain that throughout the whole workout, then um, I would lower the, the pace um, significant, well, not significantly, but, um, and then we'd try again um, the next week or a couple weeks and go from there. So here's another, I guess it's just turning into me asking hypothetical training questions because this is fun. Um, so how about this? And this is kind of one of the big no-nos when it comes to executing workouts correctly. But let's say you have an athlete come to you and said, Coach Brian, You'll never believe this. I actually ran my lactate threshold run faster than I was supposed to. Aren't you so proud of me? 
and go. <laughs> oh man, that's that's a big one, um, and that's not hypothetical. That happens a lot, um, or at least it did early on in my in my coaching career. Um, yeah, I, I I I am not quick to praise those those athletes. Uh, they will not get a bunch of uh, pats on the back from me um, because. Um, you know, as, as we've talked about it, it's, it's not as beneficial to go fast on these. You should be able to go faster on these if, if you wanted to. Um, but it, that's not the, uh, the end goal of the workout. And, you know, I remind them that the end goal is the race. It's not the workout. And, uh, I actually, um, with my team, I, I send out a, a kind of like a, a biweekly email that has like a, a featured workout of the week or somebody who had a really good workout and just to show them, uh, and usually what I'm, what I'm highlighting is somebody who had a workout more often than not, sometimes it is a threshold, uh, workout and I'm highlighting how closely they stuck to the paces. <laughs> um, and that, that, that shows that great control, great self-control, but also great that they are capable of much more. If you're able to get super close to the split that I, that I want, um, and highlighting that as a good thing. So I praise that a lot in my athletes. I, I'm never putting in, in the workout of the week. I'm never putting somebody who went, you know, 20 seconds per mile too fast. Um, that usually doesn't happen. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so that, that would be my response to them is to just, uh, take it easy. Uh, remember there's other workouts where you get to go fast and there's other workouts that are, um, okay to kind of hammer out the very end. Uh, but usually threshold workouts um, are not the, the ones to do that. Or, or even half marathon tempos or marathon tempos as well. Again, the work is at that efficiency gain and uh, teaching your heart to, to, to pump as blood as, much, as efficiently as it possibly can at that pace. And if you're not doing that and you're going significantly faster, um, then we really don't know. Um, we haven't learned anything. We haven't uh, taught our bodies anything that can help it on race day. Other than that, you, you ran really fast on that one day in training. That's all we know. <laughs> what advice do you have for runners who are struggling with pacing when it comes to those harder efforts, uh, either because they're just having trouble sustaining the pace. So they drop off and having to keep speed up and then they overshoot. So it's like a constant kind of battle too fast, too slow, too fast, too slow, or for maybe somebody starts out and they're a little bit under where they're supposed to be. So they speed up and all, and then they finish their workout too fast, which kind of gets into the exact trouble we were just talking about before you're over your target pace. What can runners do to help just become more comfortable running at that sustained effort where they need to be in that zone? I think learning the value of and the importance of hitting hitting those paces um, is important, and, and it just kind of teaches them that hey, this is something I need to pay attention to. It's not just a willy nilly, you know, suggestion. Um, so I, I do encourage them to start conservatively, especially if it's a workout that's new to an athlete. Um, I'll say, you know, it's okay to, you know, you have a range here. You have a range of, uh, you know, ten seconds slower. Um, to, to start out at and ease into it. Um, but to not be afraid to, you know, take a few peeks down at your watch until you got it, until you got it dialed in. Um, now sometimes that's more just a technical issue, getting familiar with your watch settings and you know, where, how to, how to take splits quickly and how to quickly, um, monitor what you're, you know, what pace you're, you're going at. Um, 
yeah, I, I think uh, we have the technology now that um, really you have a lot of tools to help you dial in that pace uh, correctly um, and, and to just stress patience. Um, no, you know, nobody's perfect, especially if it's new workouts. And this is more, more of a case for speed workouts when it's shorter intervals. But when somebody misses a, a pace or a split, and it's like a 30 second interval. I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> it's okay. It's 30 seconds. It's hard to, you know, if you start too fast, too slow, it's hard to really correct that a ton. But um, for these longer ones, threshold ones, um, I think it's um, realistic to think that you could um, correct it if you, if you start off too fast or too slow. Let's talk a bit about how to adjust what you're trying to do when the conditions get tough, either... You know, you're in a place where either by choice or by not your choice, you are running a route that has more hills than you would like to on a threshold workout, or the conditions are it's hot, it's humid, or it's windy. How do you adjust your threshold in tough conditions? Yeah, this is a great great time of year to uh, to talk about this too. It's heating up where I'm at. Um, I think too, um, I'm often talking about this with my athletes just in general to prepare for races as well. Um, when you do have an ideal day, when you are running the pace that you want to run, pay attention to your body cues, your body signals. How are you breathing? How does, how does your arm swing feel? Um, how does your, uh, how does your footballs feel? Um, what's your cadence kind of feel like to you? Um, key into those things and, and think of, uh, of how that's going, you know, what's your perceived effort level? Um, you know, some people like to use a scale of one to 10 and that's helpful for them. Um, try to key into those things, you know, put the music aside for a little bit and try to key into those things so that when the conditions are less favorable on a hot day or a windy day or something like that, you have something else to rely on. Um, sometimes uh, heart rate can be helpful too, if, if that's a reliable, um, metric for you, you can use that as well to kind of uh, help dial in the right effort level. Um, but yeah, on hot days, you know, it's getting to be above 80 here and, and stuff or really anything above uh, 70. I, I tell my athletes like adjust as much as you want. Like, like that, that pace means nothing. Um, go off of effort level, maintain, um, uh, a pace that you can keep till the end of the workout and then still have something left at the end. Um, and go off of that. And, and really, that's going to be a helpful tool on race day too. I feel like learning how to run by effort and understand what those efforts mean to runners is hard because we're so used to looking at the numbers. And so when we look down at our watch and we see a pace we're not used to seeing or we see a heart rate we're not used to seeing, we don't often take the time to then connect it to how we're feeling and say, oh, you know, I feel this way and connect the numbers to the feeling because, you know, we, without, at the end of the day, the paces are great, right? That's like, yeah, we all wanna hit certain paces, but it's all about what's happening inside of our body on effort levels. So you can go out and run X pace on one day and the next day, well, probably not the next day, you'd be a little fatigued, but let's say the next week, exact same workout, but it's like 20 degrees hotter and it's full sun and it's really humid. 
that those are two different effort levels. Just because the pace is the same doesn't mean the effort level is the same. One is objectively harder, higher effort than the other. Yeah, you bet. Uh, you're, you're, you know, heard people say your body doesn't know pace. It knows the stress that it's under. Um, and, and stress can come in all sorts of forms, as you've mentioned. <laughs> What situations where uh, is it not appropriate to include threshold or, you know, tempo runs in your training? If you were to design a training plan that it did not include any threshold work, what would the purpose of that training plan be? Hey, you mentioned it earlier, just beginner runners who are getting more familiar with um, with the sport and, and really just adding miles. Um, it's not as it's they're going to get more benefit just from adding miles and running more consistently. Um, so it doesn't really serve a purpose there or or we might you know dial back the uh um the length of, of the intervals or something um just to get a taste of it just kind of dip your your toe in the water there um so that's one instance another instance is kind of in the base building phase i don't use it a ton there i, I like to use i like to start on the extremes in base building phase so uh either really super fast running and little short surges hill running hill repeats things like that uh, or the, or super slow running, just, you know, easy pace, um, just getting in, getting in miles. And then I kind of funnel into faster stuff later on, depending on the distance. But, um, yeah, those are two instances where I really wouldn't use them. Or, um, as you said, 5k training, it's there. It's more of just kind of like a support workout. Um, never like a main, uh, workout of the week, I would say, um, so yeah, I think that's those are the three instances where I wouldn't use it as much. Broadly, when we talk about structuring or training, and I know you're a coach, I am a coach. It's like you need a plan that works for you as an individual. It's hard to pick a you know plan out of a box and expect it to conform exactly to what you're trying to do. But do you have a general philosophy on how many workouts you would include? in a week for a specific type of runner. And of course, this depends on how many days of week they're running, the kind of volume that they're running. But I get a lot of people asking questions about, well, I'm running four times a week and I do a long run, a tempo and a speed workout. And then one easy day. And it's like, hold on here. Something, <laughs> something's not adding up here. Cause that's a lot of harder running over only four days of running. And so when it comes to that general philosophy of you need a long run and a speed workout and a tempo run, that's not always true. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, somebody like that is probably watching other people's training and seeing, oh, this person did a long run, this other person did a tempo, this person did, you know, some speed work. I have to find a way to add that all in. And they're not seeing that, oh, this person did a long run and that was their only hard workout of the week or, you know, whatever it is. So there's a real, real danger in that um, and overloading yourself. And uh, it's, it's not a long, good long-term strategy. Uh, but yeah, if, if you, uh, subscribe to the 80-20 the rule. I think that kind of protects you in a lot of these uh, circumstances. Do you have any words of wisdom for somebody who is afraid of including some harder or faster running in their training? Because maybe they're doing only easy running or they're a newer runner, but who's ready to break into including faster running into their training? Uh, yeah. I mean, I just don't be afraid to make mistakes. Um, you know, it's not like your body's going to shut down or something if you do the workout incorrectly um that feedback is just invaluable it's the best way to learn really i think 
Um, it's just get, getting uh, getting into it. And, you know, you might learn, okay, I think I did that a little bit too hard. I started off too fast. And then mentally, I couldn't just bring myself to adjust <laughs> or something like that. You learn more about yourself and, um, um, you know, in, include the feedback of, of somebody you trust um, in that, somebody that's going to help you along. Um, but, yeah, I think variety is um, something that's going to improve your training. Uh, there's there's better ways to do it. Um, but, you know, there's best practices, but don't let um, you know uh, fear of fear of failure stop you from from trying. I think uh, there's uh, something to be said for just getting out there and uh, giving it your best effort and getting started, and you learn from it. Before we let you go, let's uh, let's talk about something that. We don't like to talk about often because we hope it doesn't have to happen, but life happens. Sometimes workouts don't go the way you want them to. And there's always that decision in the middle of your workout. Should I stick it out or should I just call it a day and head home? And, you know, some, some workouts are hard, right? And sometimes our brain is telling us, pack it in. Let's let this, no, let, let's, we're done here. And you can keep going. And it's yeah. kind of just pushing past that mental block. But sometimes you are having a genuinely bad day. What is your criteria advice for when to stick it out versus when to just, you know what, we're good here. It's time to head home and, and put our legs up. You're right. That is a big struggle. And I, I think um, that's kind of the price you pay when you want to get better at running. Your training is going to get more difficult and more, you're going to have more, more challenges and stuff. So I always tell my athletes like, hey, this is a good goal. You can have this goal. But, um, you know, when your goals increase, your level of resilience and per perseverance has to increase as well, because you're going to have days that don't go your way. Uh, you're going to have workouts that don't go your way, um, maybe through no fault of your own. But um, when, when a workout is not going well, um, I, I like to think about like why it's not going well. Uh, like, are there extra stresses in your life? Um, you know, is there, is there something else that happened to make it not go well? Um, or, you know, uh, I, I guess that's more after the fact, but during the workout, I don't, I don't, uh, fault anyone really for, for bailing on a workout, um, early, um, unless it, you know, obviously becomes a habit, but. I don't think uh, anybody's ever not hit their marathon goal or half marathon goal just from one bad missed workout that they that they stopped in the middle. Um, so I have a lot of patience for for those people that make that decision because um, usually um, if they have a goal to begin with, it's not like they want to stop the workout. It's not like they don't want to train. If if they came to me, if they have this goal, if they set this goal, um, that means they want to train for it and they want to be diligent for it. Um, so I don't question that. Um, and it means if they had to stop the workout in the middle, um, then there was probably a good reason for that. <laughs> I think it's always good to listen to your body and what it's saying. Um, go back, regroup, uh, and talk to somebody, get some feedback and, uh, try again another day. Uh, marathon cycles, half marathon cycles are often long, you know, four months. Um, I think, uh, We'll learn a lot along the way, but I don't think one bad day is going to going to ruin it. Amen. I totally <laughs> agree with that. One bad workout is we all have them. It's okay. Even elites, believe it or not. I don't know anybody who said, hey, every single run in this training cycle went perfectly. I would buy that person a right. drink <laughs> or two. Yeah, I tell my athletes, if, you know, to plan on about 90% of this going well. Um, but if, if you have a... Uh, 
your training cycle planned out well enough, 90% uh, will still result in a good, a good day, good race. Absolutely. Well, Brian, this has been an absolute pleasure. I feel like this is probably just one of many nerdy topics that we could talk about <laughs> on the <laughs> podcast. But you are a coach. Tell people how to find you, follow you if they want to work with you. Tell us more. You bet. Uh, my, my handle on IG is at Roadrunner309. Um, 309 being my area code here in, in central Illinois. Um, some, some people thought that was my marathon time and it was my PR for a short time. I was like, wow, I should change it now. No, but you have to change um, your handle so constantly, just like going down, going <laughs> yeah, <I know>. down. <laughs> every year, probably not a good idea. And then they can find me, uh, my website is roadrunnercoaching.com. Fantastic. And I'm going to link to all of that in the show notes. If you want to find Brian, follow him. His content is fantastic. I often share it. So you may have seen his handle pop up a few times in my stories, but Brian, this has been a whole bunch of fun. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can always find me on Instagram at runningexplained or at my website, runningexplained.co. If you have a question you'd like to have answered, you can submit it in my stories every Monday or email me at elizabeth at runningexplained.co. That's E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T-H at runningexplained.co. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition.